our series right now is called um, From One Place to the Next. Uh, and we're talking really about transition, okay? And there's, there's a reason for that, because about, a, about two weeks ago, I got a notice from Union Public Schools that Moore Elementary School, the building that we're in, is getting new flooring. Seriously. Yeah, so we're all like, huh, all right, this summer. So the, the plan <laughs> was that we were going back to Cedar Ridge, right? It's like, yeah, back and forth. I feel like a you know, church equivalent of a ping pong ball at this point, you know, going back and forth. However, our executive team and our staff have been working on potentially an alternative. And today I am pleased to announce um, that Friday I signed a contract for us to lease Tulsa Ballet's um, Hardesty uh, Center for Education, yes, uh, which is on 101st and Aspen, so not too far from here. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, do that, Siri, you're okay, right? So we, um, g- brief story about this, a couple years ago when they opened that facility, we contacted them about leasing their space. We have some friends over at City Church, which leases Tulsa Ballet in Brookside, and when they opened this, we thought, oh, this might be a good opportunity for us. Had no idea what the space looked like and whatnot. <clears throat> and they said at the time, no, we're brand spanking new. We need to see how this goes. And then I think it was last year we had heard that a church was in there. And we were like, doggone it. I thought we were first on the list. Um, turns out that church had sold a building and was purchased another one and was in transition. They just needed a short space for six months and that they had been actively searching for a church. And so Dan and I had a conversation. He made a couple of phone calls, and finally they got back to us, if I remember the story correctly. And they said, yeah, we'd be open to that. So Dan and I rushed over there, and we walked in and went, like Sherry did. Because if we were going to go build a building, it would look really close to that. It has a theater, 160 seats. It has uh, one, two, three major dance studios that we can divide in half and I think the total amount of rooms that we get to use is about six. We're currently using one plus a couple of pods Um, and uh, the best part is it's on-site storage so we don't have to pull the trailer up anymore. That's huge for our equipment and it's uh, climate controlled so we're thrilled that we have this opportunity um, yeah, so it's a big deal. We've been working on this for a while. I've got a couple of little I's to dot and T's to cross, but the contract is signed. They are excited to have us. We're excited to be there. And the date we are moving, the first Sunday there, will be March the 22nd. So it'll be after uh, spring break, but it will be um, just prior to Easter. So we will be celebrating Easter in the new space. So it's very exciting that we get a chance to do this. Um, yeah, Dan was ready to go about three weeks ago, <laughs> and uh, I think the rest of the staff was not too far behind him. Uh, we had a couple things that we need to do, some training that we need to do. And by the way, um, there are going to be uh, some, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? We're going to kind of reallocate some of our human resources because we don't have to set up quite like we do here, which is great. Um, so we're going to um, talk to people about maybe filling in in some other spots. And so just remember... Um, you know, listen to the pitch first before you say yes or no, and, and yes, it's okay for you to 
pray about it. That's fine too. Um, but there's going to be a lot of things that, that we need to do. And it allows us to kind of refocus our energy and to shore up some places, ministry areas that, um, you know, for whatever reason, we've um, not had to do a whole lot here. So things are changing, and it's very, very exciting to do this. So there's a lot to do between now and then, um, but uh, we're really excited about it. Here's the thing. If you have questions about it, please, 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 Come talk to Dan. Um, I was going to say James, but he's not here because he's not feeling well. Myself, any one of the staff members, we are happy to tell you everything that we know, and um, which is at this point, we're going. <laughs> so uh, we can tell you kind of how things are going to shape up over the next couple of weeks, if that makes sense. So, all right. Lots of cool stuff happening. Yeah, it really, it's, yeah, it's pretty exciting. So uh, it's going to be a neat experience for us to go and do that can hardly wait to, to get there. And here it is, almost the end of, of February. So, you know, we're mid-February and time is marching on. So, be, because there's a lot to do between now and then, um, let's go into the text, let's go into the scripture, and um, let's learn more about, you know, how God actually moves and transitions and, and whatnot, and let's see what he has to say for us. So I'm going to invite you to turn with me again to Ac- um, Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. Genesis, Exodus, second book of the Bible, so it's easy to find, right? Exodus chapter 3. And um, this is a continuation of the story uh, that we picked up on last week, Moses and the burning bush, because there's this conversation that begins to um, ensue, and I want you to see uh, how this thing shapes out because there's some interesting things in that discussion. So here's, here's uh, where we're going to start. Uh, Verses 9 and 10 of Exodus 3. And this is God speaking out of the burning bush to Moses. After he's taken the sandals off, because it was holy ground, remember? Yes. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Now, some of you, I know, I mentioned this last week. Some of you are going, oh, no, no. That's what I'm afraid of, that God's going to send me to Africa. (laughs) Right? Because that's what he did to Moses. He sent him to Africa. But Moses has some questions. He's got a lot of questions. And, of course, he's not really sure what's going on here yet. He just knows that he's gone aside to see this very strange thing and started talking to him. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who, who am I? Have you ever wondered that yourself? You know, there's something that you know you gotta do, but you're like, who am I to do this? Yeah, I've been there too. And, and God answers very very clearly, doesn't matter. I will be with you. That's what he says. Doesn't matter. I've chosen you, and I will be with you. And this is my favorite part of the entire story. Again, he's on the backside of the desert. He's only had sheep to talk to. That's got to drive you a little crazy, don't you think? Right? He sees this weird bush. It's on fire, but it's not burning up. 
So he goes to check it out, starts talking to him. He says, you're going to go to Africa, and it uh, doesn't matter, I'm going to be with you. So what, is, what does Moses say? Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name, then what shall I tell him? Okay, let me give you the David version. Say, so I'm going to send you. It doesn't matter who you are, I'm going to be with you. Um, yeah. And who are you? That's what he's asking. He's just being really polite about it. So... Who should I say sent me? But he's asking him the identity. He has no idea who this is. And so God says, I am who I am. And it's not Popeye, okay? This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And then he goes on and he talks about the God of your forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yeah, that one. Remember him, the oral history? You heard this from your parents and your grandparents and your great-grandparents, and yes, I'm that one. You may not know this because, Moses, you were raised in, in an Egyptian family, adopted, but you too are a Hebrew, and yes, it's, it's your family. That's who I am. Cracks me up. Who are you? Because, you know, it's like, well, yeah, um, it's the voice that talks out of the burning bush that doesn't consume. That's a little too much to say. He needs, he needs a shorter response. I am. That's pretty good. That's helpful. And God knows that it's going to be very difficult um, to convince both Israel and Pharaoh. I mean, you have to understand this. God sees both sides to this, and he's putting Moses into a very difficult set of circumstances. Not only does he have to convince the Israelites to follow him, but he's also got to convince Pharaoh to let his people go. And how many of you have Charlton Heston's voice in your head right now? <laughs> yes. Let my people go. And so he's trying to do both of these things at the, at the same time. And this is what's so, so fascinating to me. Um, but I know the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. After that, he will let you go. He understands this. This is who I am. You need to tell the Israelites that. Here's what I'm going to do and everybody's going to understand. Does that make sense? That's what he's ultimately saying. So, unless a mighty hand... And I will stretch out my hand and work some wonders. Now, this is interesting because we get this reference to the hand here. And I think this is an important piece of this that we often kind of gloss over because we actually see similar terms to this throughout the Old Testament where God talks about his outstretched arm with a mighty hand. Here's why. This is a hieroglyphic. That is Pharaoh Ramses. That is... Um, of the family of the, the, the pharaohs here. It could be Ramsey II if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Notice how his arm is outstretched and he is holding the hair of a group of people. I believe those are Hebrews, by the way. Because in ancient hieroglyphics, might and strength was conveyed in hieroglyphics of Pharaoh with an outstretched arm. And God's saying, God's, okay, this is like, 
God's version of NFL trash talk. Oh, you got an outstretched arm. Oh, let me tell you. He's like, no, no, no. I'm going to stretch out my arm, and there's going to be wonders. This is, this is throwing down. Because you have to remember, Pharaoh wasn't just a king. He was considered a god. And Yahweh, I am, is saying, yeah, not so much. Let me tell you what's going to happen. And so we see this time and time again. This is a direct choice of words designed to be evocative to an individual who was raised in Pharaoh's court. Does this make sense? This imagery was not lost on Moses. Not at all. He would have understood this. My outstretched arms. And so this is exciting stuff, isn't it? I mean, come on. God knew and he's thought the whole thing through. He's got a plan and he's got wonders and power and he's got all this stuff. I mean, for crying out loud, he's talking from a burning bush, right? And here he is and Moses, yeah, Moses still isn't convinced. Not yet. Because here's what he does in chapter 4, verse 1. I love this. Moses answered, okay, so like, what if they don't believe me? Or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you. (laughs) This is what we call what if scenarios. This is speculation. So I can imagine a possibility where they're not going to believe me. They're not going to believe I am who that, you know, that I I said that I've talked to. And I don't, yeah, so, 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 you know, what if can kill an idea really quick? And yet, God's got the whole thing covered. Folks, look, he's God, right? Do we believe he can't handle our surprises? Be serious. Yeah, of course he can. So what does he do? He does, uh, actually, he gives Moses three signs that he can perform himself. First of all, he takes a staff and turns into a snake. Which I got to be honest, this morning I was a little tired when I was writing this the other day, and uh, I looked at my notes and it said that he threw his staff and it became snacks, <laughs> <laughs> which would be totally cool in the right set of circumstances, right? <laughs> I know, but no, it's a snake, right? So turn your staff into a snake. Uh, the other thing is that if he put his hand in his cloak, it came out it was leprous, which would have been the most horrifying disease known to man at the time, and then he put it back in and it was completely healed. And then finally, he was able to take water out of the Nile, pour it on the ground, and it became blood. Um, there are probably some meanings that are related to this based on um, Egyptian um, mythology, but um, I'll save that for another day. But he gives him three signs that he can perform. You know, you, you know I'm, I'm, I've got you covered. I want you to see this. Uh, so don't give me the what if. You know, you can, you can wow them a little bit. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, Moses is still not done with the questions, with the concerns, with his thoughts on the subject matter. Here it is. Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. So it's it's like, you know, if you want to give me something miraculous, help me to talk good, right? I am slow of speech and tongue. I don't talk so good, and since I've been talking to you, it hasn't gotten any better. 
which is kind of like this subtle sort of, yeah, I don't know how useful the leper's hand thing is going to be when I, when, I, when I really need to speak, right? That's so funny to me. <laughs> and then, you know, I, Lord says to him, who gave human beings their mouths and who makes the, them deaf or mute and who gives them sight or make, makes them blind? It, is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. I got you covered on this. And yet, Moses is not done yet. I love this, verse 13. Please send someone else. This is the heart of the matter, isn't it? Everything else was just being polite. Here he's like, thanks, no. No thanks. Thanks, no. I don't want to do this. Please send somebody else. Yeah, don't let me don't don't make me do this. So God recruits Moses' brother Aaron. And Moses does it seemingly a little begrudgingly at first. He's, he's not too convinced. And it's funny in a way. You know, we're reading about this. It's funny, but I, there's something underneath the surface here that I think every human being fa- faces, and, and we need to talk about it. We really do. We need to have this discussion. The, the enemy, in my mind, has two shackles that he puts on people. He likes to, to keep us from following God, and I think they're on full display in Moses. And that's why we find it so funny, because we've made those same excuses. Every one of us has, at some point, made a similar excuse like that. Yeah, no thanks, I don't, I don't really want to do that. <laughs> it's a burning bush, right? Yeah, it just cracks me up. <clears throat> the first one of these uh, shackles is fear. It's just fear. And frankly, rightly so. I mean, please remember, Moses is a wanted man in Egypt for what? Murder. Murder. Yeah, I'm not sure I'd want to go back either. Right? Egypt represents everything that he's trying to avoid. He's on the backside of the desert running his father-in-law's sheep. He was in the palace of Pharaoh. Why on earth would he want to go back? He's on the lamb. There's fear here. It is risky business to do this. Keep that in mind. You know, when we started Thrive Church, there, there was a lot of this. <laughs> there was a lot of fear. Plenty of what-ifs, let me tell you. Uh, by the way, I'm pretty sure that's my superpower, what-if. Yeah. You know, I knew that it was something that God wanted, but there was both fear of failure and a fear of success. There's both. Because fear of failure is, you know, you go through a very uh, challenging um, part or, or transition and the whole thing could have fallen apart in just you know a matter of weeks. And at the same time, if it was truly successful, we'd be playing catch-up and, and uh, if it were really successful, then good heavens, more would be required of me. That's scary. Still is. You know, this move to uh, Tulsa Ballet 
had a lot of, uh, a lot of fear. Can we afford it? By the way, yeah, we can. God opened that door, but those questions still bubble up. What does this mean? What it, and it was really easy to get excited about it at first, but then we started saying, okay, who does this impact? What does this mean for us? And we had a robust discussion. I am so incredibly proud of our staff because they didn't shy away from the hard questions. And yet we're still unified, and I'm so grateful for that. And you should be grateful for that too. And so the question that I have for everybody is, you know, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? You know, you're, you've got different sets of circumstances than I do, and yet I know that fear is one of those things that comes up for human beings. You know, sometimes we're afraid that, you know, God will never call us because, you know, something in my past that I'm not really proud of. Yeah, you're in good company. Murder. Bet you didn't do that. And maybe you're afraid that God's going to send you to Africa. <laughs> there was a moment, um, a lot of you have already heard me say this, um, when uh, Lisa and I were looking for a, a church, <clears throat> and this one in Tulsa, Oklahoma came up. And I said, want to go to Oklahoma? And my wife looked at me like I grew a second head. All of our family was east of the Mississippi. We had said, we don't want to go west of the Mississippi. And God laughed at us. And yet both of us will tell you that we're exactly where God wants us to be and we have some of the best relationships we've ever had in any of the churches that we've served. Works out pretty good. Just not the way we imagined. And that's okay. So what are you afraid of? Maybe you're afraid of, of the cost it is in dollars or in time or in energy or it's going to be far too overwhelming. Yeah, guess what? It probably will be. But the point is, is, what are you afraid of? Because God said to Moses, and he says the same thing to you, yeah, but I'll be with you. If I'm calling you to do something, I will be with you through that. You are not on your own. And by the way, you got a whole group of people who are behind you too. Keep that in mind. And there's one other shackle and you see it in Moses. Frankly, he's afraid of himself. And that's called shame. Shame. He says it first in, in chapter 3, verse 11. He says, who am I? That's shame talking. Because shame will say that to you. Who do you think you are that you can go and do this? Who am I to do that? And frankly, it's shame that's speaking in chapter 4, verse 13, when he says, please send somebody else. That's shame. God just went through the entire list. You know, he re God removed all of the obstacles very clearly, very concisely, very powerfully, and yet he still says at the end, send somebody else. So burning bush, voice out of it, picking you, signs and wonders, contingencies all anticipated. Um, no thanks, not me. Yeah. What he's really saying is I don't trust myself. That's shame. 
There is something inherently wrong with me. I'm flawed. You see, guilt is feeling remorse for something you've done, and shame is feeling remorse for who you are. That somehow something deep inside of you makes you unworthy of trust or belonging or love, and it's all lies from the pit of hell. I'm just going to say it, in case you haven't heard it before. And shame is a monster. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not skilled enough. I'm not old enough. I'm not young enough. I'm not pretty enough. Blah, 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 blah. I'm not enough. That's what shame says. And I want to remind you that you are adopted as sons and daughters of the living God. You have an inheritance And the Holy Spirit is a deposit on it and it empowers you to bless others. Period. Exclamation point. You see, you plus the Holy Spirit is way more than enough. Last few weeks, um, last few weeks have really felt like uh, God has called us to certain types of prayer. And uh, I, I just uh, feel it again this morning to a certain extent. <clears throat> Fear and shame are, uh, for some reason, embedded in suburban America. I'm not sure why. I have some theories, but... I don't know how to say this. I'm sick of it in my church. I'm sick of it in my own life. But the older I get, I see it over and over and over in people who don't think they're good enough. God's not going to call me. Lies! It's not true. And so we're holding back. And, and uh, I felt like I was supposed to pray for him, but... I don't like praying out loud. I understand that. That's okay. You don't have to. But the point is, you plus the Holy Spirit is more than enough. More than enough. And sometimes it's risky to follow God. But he promises you, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And I think that God wants to break shackles of fear and shame. And so I'm going to invite you, like I do, meet me back there, and we'll pray for you. And I, and I can imagine right now, there, <laughs> there's a conversation you're having with a burning bush in your head. I'm not going back there. Because then everybody will know, guess what? They're dealing with the same conversation. They don't care what you do. I want you to be free. Today is your freedom if you choose it. If you choose it. And by the way, I'll be here again next week. If you want to choose freedom next week, I'll still be here. Because Jesus is still here and he wants your freedom too. And for some reason this morning as I was um, prepping for this and just reminded of what what Jesus said in Luke chapter 4. The Spirit of the Lord is on me and has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. 
and to set the prisoners free. Prisons have all kinds of shapes and sizes, the vast majority of which we don't even see. But those are the things that God has called us to be free of.